Well, the biggest villain in the new era of college football may be about to strike again because it's being reported that Pitt's wide receiver Jordan Addison, who won the Blitnikoff last year, you probably know that by now, is expected to appear in the NCAA transfer portal later this afternoon. That was reported about an hour ago, so everyone has eyes on the portal But it seems now, Parker Thune, that, um, oh gosh, the story that we were all uh, maybe dreading to report here because it signifies the downfall of the sport. Former Bolitnikoff winner may be in the portal this afternoon and USC looking like a pretty good uh, destination here. I I don't know, Tyler. Pete Thamel said that there's no clear indication as to what his destination is going to be. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, the, so, so he's just hopping in the portal, and he's going to look at his options yeah, elsewhere? he's going to look at all his options. That is the most— And uh, there's no imminent timetable for a decision. That's the most naive take. I've heard a lot of naive takes this offseason. I've heard a lot of bad takes this offseason. This has been the offseason for bad takes, by the way. I don't know why this offseason right. more than any other, but that's—it's it, it, totally not true. Like, I read a story earlier today. Um, I think it was on—I think it was posted— Parker on OUinsider.com, and it was a Q&A with Deion Sanders. And what he says and how it happens is that many of the high school coaches that coach these guys are reaching out on their behalf, you know, well before they enter the portal. And the deal is complete by the time they officially enter into the portal. So, no, I am not going to be naive about this at all. The moment Jordan Addison enters in the transfer portal, if it happens this afternoon, I will be under the belief that a deal has already been done for him to go to another school. It's already been decided. He's going to go to USC. Right, look, Pete Thamel is an excellent reporter, does a phenomenal job, is one of the best in the entire profession when it comes to co- covering college football. But it's pretty blatantly obvious, given everything else that's been reported over the last three days, that Thamel pretty much just tweeted the press release that Muleshoe texted him. Yeah, yeah, basically. And as Teddy pointed out yesterday, it was very similar to that of what Carl Williams, was it Carl Williams initially said during all this. So, yeah, he's going to go to to USC. Maybe there's some other teams out there that are being discussed for Jordan Addison, but no, he's going to go play wide receiver for the Trojans next year. Which, by the way, when it comes to uh, tampering and all this via the portal, I do find it funny. Leave it to old Muleshoe, by the way. He's got a lot of holes on his football team, but leave it to old Muleshoe to just go after the wide receivers. Don't go after the uh, down linemen, Parker, that go out there and win you a national championship. Muleshoe's out there tampering, um, and he's tampering with the wide receivers. He still doesn't know what wins uh, football games at a high level, which is pretty funny. Or he's convinced that he's going to make his model win at a high level. Yeah, well, I, I, I do think that, that can definitely, that's probably definitely He's the just case. figured, you know what, I've sunk my teeth so far in that I just got to sink it even deeper. I'm out to prove that my way can win. My way can win. You don't have to do it the old Nick Saban way to, to win a national championship, so... If he is uh, not the biggest villain in college football, I, I feel like, Parker, uh, you you may disagree with this, I feel like Muleshoe is about to turn into the biggest villain in college football when Jordan Addison enters in the portal and he ends up at USC. And as of 55 seconds ago, Jordan Addison is officially in the wow. portal. Wow. So there you go. Unbelievable. It, do we have to wait 55 more seconds for him to announce USC? <laughs> is, is, is that how that Might works? not even take that long. 
Man, I, I, I really didn't think that USC was going to be easier, even easier to root against this year. But as I sit today on uh, May the 3rd, they are much easier to root for on May 3rd than they were on April 3rd. Um, and nothing against Jordan Addison. I'm, I'm sure that he's a, a nice kid and all, but you're just going to add the Bolitnikoff winner after spring football? Give me a break, man. But this, this is going to make it all the more sweeter. Once USC loses to Fresno in the non-con, and they lose at Stanford to open up Pac-12 play, and Utah stomps a mud hole in them because they can't stop the run or run the ball themselves, um, it's going to make it all the more sweeter once USC gets pounded this year and doesn't live up to expectations. Because I'm telling you, man, at some point the finger's going to turn the other way, and uh, it's not going to take long for the national media to say, well, I mean, that was a big-time hire by SC, but dang, he had Caleb Williams, he had Mario Williams, he had Travis Dye, he got Jordan Addison. I mean, he, he has a knack for getting great offensive players. Why isn't it resulting in a whole lot of wins out there on the West Coast? Hmm. Okay, let's hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line real quick because we need to address this question before we move any further. One of our listeners asked, is Addison eligible to play if he transfers now since he didn't do it by May 1st? And we discussed this briefly yesterday, but... No, Jordan Addison, Jordan Addison did enter the transfer portal by May 1st. I can assure you of that. What these schools can do is they can hold the paperwork, and they don't officially have to submit a player's name until 48 hours after the deadline passes. So in reality, the deadline for a player's name to appear in the transfer portal if they want to be immediately eligible at their next school is tonight at midnight, yep. May 3rd. Yeah. So that's the actual deadline. That's the deadline that people should be paying attention to. The the May first deadline is a little bit misleading at face value. But Tyler, I I know nobody's gonna want to hear this, but <laughs> what if USC is more successful than we think they're gonna be in twenty twenty two? Um what if they actually win ten, eleven games and play an impact twelve title game? Um I mean that that's not gonna be a lot of fun to watch, but it's going to be, well, I mean, the, the Pac-12 stinks. Because, so I, I, I mean, like, Jordan Addison's a really good player. He is a good player, but I don't think that, you know, he takes SC from an, an eight-win team to a double-digit win team. He is a good player. He might be the best wide receiver in the Pac-12 next year. I just don't think that he's going to result in two more wins for SC next year. I, I, I think defensively... They've got so many holes. Offensive line, they've got so many holes. There's still so many things that they need to shore up before I think we're talking, at least to me, about a Pac-12 championship team. And I understand that, but here's here's what I think. I don't think USC's done revamping that roster. Oh, no. I mean, they'll do more tampering. I don't think Addison's going to be the last guy that they add via the transfer portal. And at what point do we come around and say, okay, well, shh shoot, maybe this team is actually going to be pretty good in 2022. I'm a a ways off from that, and and I'm being honest here. I'm not just letting my uh, dislike for the man cloud my judgment here. They do have some nice offensive pieces, but they had some nice offensive pieces last year, Parker. Um, They had a better defense last year than what they have this year, and when teams wanted to be physical, run the ball at them, they didn't really have an answer, especially towards the tail end of the season, so... They'll have some nice pieces offensively. We'll see what they add defensively. But I don't think that this guy is just such a good head coach that he's going to routinely just out-coach 
all of the guys that he's going to be going up against in the Pac-12. I think Kyle Whittingham's going to have the blueprint to run up all, all and down all over him, not going to have an answer to it. I think Dan Laney's going to have that answer if they play in a Pac-12 championship. Like It's a good ad. There's no doubt it's a good ad. It's a re- they'll, he'll be their number one wide receiver. Maybe all Pac-12. This just doesn't drastically change my mind on what SC is going to be next year. One listener on the text line says, Parker is broken. The portal has broken him. Administer life support. Get him back locked in. <laughs> no, like, look, at the end of the day, we know what Muleshoe's football teams are, right? They, they are built around a model that is really, really sexy. If you love offense and you love points and you love statistics and superlatives. He's never going to have a team that is physically capable of holding up against the Titans of the SEC and the likes of even Ohio State and Clemson, for that matter. But I'm increasingly beginning to think, okay, maybe he wins a few more Pac-12 games than we were initially anticipating. I still don't think this USC team goes to the playoff. I still don't think they ever win a playoff game under mule shoe in, in answer but, your question like what happens if they win the pac 12 or go to the playoff well the narrative is going to stay the same they'll, they'll go to a semifinal and they'll get exposed and, and blown out so even if they do win 10 or 11 games and, and make it to a semifinal the narrative around lincoln riley to me is never going to change because i think the way that he operates a program is not conducive to winning a national championship or even winning a semifinal game against an elite uh, sec team so in that respect, I know no one wants to see them go to the playoff, but the scenario here is, Parker, is that even if they do, it's going to be the same old story once again. I don't think it's ever going to change with that guy. Air Comfort Solutions text line, one listener says, about Addison, look at what Muleshoe did with Mike Woods. Okay, that's fair. I'll see that. Now, Jordan Addison is better than Mike Woods. I'd say Jordan Addison is far better than Mike Woods. But, you know, I, I agree that... Addison probably doesn't have the same production this next year if he's at USC, when he's at USC, than he did last year at Pitt. He had something like 100 100 catches for 1,600 yards and 17 touchdowns. He's not going to have those kinds of numbers at USC. I don't think so either. And I will be curious to see if Muleshoe can keep wideouts happy at USC because if he was the head coach at Oklahoma, if he had retained his job and moved into 2022 as Oklahoma's head coach – Jaden Hazelwood was gone, Theo Weiss was gone, Marvin Mims was gone, maybe you keep Mario Williams, but I mean, those are your top three wide receivers right there, and you are rabid. Oh yeah, Mario Williams thought he was going to be the dude, number one wide receiver, and now he's he's not, man, and he was replaced after spring, so wonder about how, how old Mario feels about that situation right now. That's got to be a little bit of a hit to the ego. By the way, text line, um, and, and we appreciate you continuing to, uh, to pump the text line, let me know if I'm wrong or if I'm right, if I'm crazy, whatever. Um, I think he's the I think he's the the new villain of, of this new college football era. If you agree with that, hit us up. If you disagree with that, hit us up. But I think nationally, that's what he's going to be looked at because I think most college football fans are worried or do not like the direction that this sport is going right now, and he's kind of the figurehead of, the, of this whole thing. Uh, Steely, being the legend that he is, made the perfect analogy last hour when he essentially said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically said, Muleshoe is the looter who's making off with one big screen TV under either arm while the town square is burning. Yeah, that's, yes. That's, 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 that's what he is. 
Yeah, he it, that's that's exactly what he is. Um, I, except I don't think that he's strong enough to carry two TVs at the same time. Uh, he would need a dolly just to carry uh, one TV. Let, let's not act like Lincoln's that jacked. Uh, we we do got to remind ourselves who his personal trainer is. It's old Benny Wiley. So maybe he's stealing some uh, two-pound dumbbells or some five-pound dumbbells or something like that, or some kettlebells. But uh, multiple TVs, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's that strong to be running out of a place like that. Let me ask you, Tyler. Do you concur with my assessment that? What Muleshoe could be doing is preparing to ride Caleb Williams' coattails into the 2024 NFL draft and coach the same team that Caleb Williams gets drafted by. Oh, I, I mean, I, I've never thought from the beginning that he was going to stay at SC very long. For whatever reason, I've always felt like it was going to be the L.A. Chargers. Um, we'll see when that job is open, I guess. But sure, man, I, I, I could see him following Caleb Williams. I, I don't think he's going to be there in five years. Nor do I. I think you're. I think old Lincoln's about to pull a Hugh Freeze. So you think this is a uh, Cliff Kingsbury situation? He's going to say in uh, Carl's Jr.'s midway through the last year, if I had the number one pick, I'd draft him. Then he is going to have the number one pick and ultimately draft him. That's exactly. what you're saying. That's exactly. what's going to happen. That's what I foresee happening. He's not there for the long term. Anyone who says otherwise is kidding themselves. Yeah, totally. Yoshi uh, is not planning to put down roots at USC. All right, keep the text line humming. Air, uh, Air, Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. It is locked on. We are the ref, the home of Sooner fans. Keep it locked here. It is locked in. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. We are the ref, the home of Sooner fans, and we talk about the things that you actually care about on this radio station. No bashing of Baker Mayfield. No constant bashing of Russell Westbrook. We have a a little bit more content to share outside of that. Instead of just bashing Baker Mayfield all day, Parker, you know what we do? We just what do we have do, Tyler? we just have Baker Mayfield on our radio show. That's that's what we do. Which would Dang you prefer? Tyler. Which would you prefer to constantly listen to bashing about Baker Mayfield or actually get to hear from Baker Mayfield himself? I don't know. Wow, I think the choice I, is kind of easy. Wow, here. you really just flexed on him there. I just just saying. Uh, by the way, uh, we will have Bob Stoops coming up today in about one hour at three twenty. So be sure to uh, tune in for that. Real quick before we uh, hammer the text line, you guys are uh, awesome as always there. Keep it coming, 405-651-3439. ESPN thinks they know what we learned with OU football this spring. Let's see if we agree with them or not. What we learned this spring from OU. Brent Venables looks comfortable in his first head coaching gig. Not a surprise since he's been a staple as one of the most high-profile assistants in the country since his first stint at OU from 99 to 2011. His offense will look different with the departure of Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams, but Dylan Gabriel has sole command now, including taking most of the reps in the spring for both teams. And Jeff Levy's offense will play fast and have the talent to make it work. Above anything else, is that what we learned from OU this spring? Does ESPN have it right? I'm confused as to what what in there uh, is a lot of general talk. It, I know. it was like it was so boilerplate. I'm trying to figure out was there an actual takeaway embedded in uh, there the Brent, Yeah, um, Brent Venables looks comfortable in okay, his first year, which I agree with. And Dylan Gabriel is the quarterback, and they're going to go fast. Other than that, it was just totally well, no filler. crap. <laughs> like. Okay, if, if the if the overarching takeaway is that Brent Venables looks comfortable, I mean, okay, sure, I agree. 
I just I was expecting a little bit it's more depth. It's not very deep. No, I well you shouldn't expect very much depth. It's an ESPN article that's just totally surface level information. It's not going to go any deeper than uh, deeper than that. Come on Parker, that would actually take uh, a little bit of effort to get a little bit more uh, depth of information. Just saying. I mean, so technically they are right. I mean, yeah, Brett no, Vittables is right, comfortable. Like... Dylan Gabriel is the starting quarterback. They're going to go fast, but what we learned, at least what I learned, I think the running backs are going to be pretty good. I think they're at least three deep at that position. I don't think that the wide receiver core is going to have a year like they had last year. I think the wide receiver core has a chance to be the best, maybe even the deepest position group on the entire team. There's like 25 things that I learned, but if I'm just going with the top two things, I, what I learned, Parker, is that the skill position players – are going to be really good, and there's not going to be a significant drop off, drop off just because Mule Shoe's out of here. I'm just confused as to why people think the Sooners are thin at receiver. You have eight scholarship players in that room. Yeah, they're going to be nine whenever they add one via the transfer portal, which I believe they will. And then you got Gavin Freeman coming in this summer too, who won't be on scholarship in all technicality, but he's good enough to be on scholarship one day. So, I'm not, yeah, I'm not worried about the wide receivers at all. Let's let's hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line and see what the folks are saying. Uh, one of our listeners from the 918 says, Muleshoot coaches soft, he prepares soft, his teams play soft finesse football. We know that firsthand. He will be even softer in the soft Pac-12. He will have some success because the league is soft, but he will never compete for a national a championship. a lot of softs in there. Yes. BV is the antithesis of Muleshoot from the standpoint of strength and character. OU will compete for championships. Muleshoe Mule will do what he's always done, have some nice seasons, but never great seasons. Yeah, I mean, he might have a great season in terms of uh, where USC has been recently, but in terms of what the expectations are, and I think, make no mistake about it, wouldn't you say the expectation nationally and probably even locally there is for him to bring USC football back to relevance and win a national championship? I don't think that that's going to happen if those are the expectations. No. I don't think he's going to win a – I don't think he would have won a title at OU. I definitely don't think he's going to win one at USC. This is one of the greatest texts we've ever received. On the oh, wow. Line. That's a lot of that's a lot of buildup. I didn't think the Jimbo Fisher slime with FSU could be topped, but this is epic, Lincoln Riley. I can't believe my three-year-old lives with that name forever. I know. How many people would want to change the name of their uh, their kid or their dog now? He goes on to say, I'm trying to raise money to go to the courthouse and get it changed. I can't let my child live with my naivety. <laughs> Baby Brent! Baby Brent! Wouldn't that be amazing if someone did get their uh, the name of their child changed just because uh, <laughs> that is they dislike for him? Uh, another listener says, The Mule Shoe Playbook is going to have to expand. As all these investors of NIL deals for players, investors are going to want their investment to shine on the field. I guess Muleshoe will charge a fee to the investors to expose their players' marketing interest. Yeah, like, here's the thing. Yeah, USC is going out and buying a bunch of talent, and I think it's going to help their bottom line. Adding a guy like Jordan Addison is obviously going to be a boon for your offense. But, and I think I mentioned this last hour too, can Muleshoe keep all those guys happy? I don't think so, man. No, I, I don't think so. And I think there's got to be a real question too, Parker, of how great has he been at developing wide receivers in the system? Now, he's had some good players. C.D. Lamb was, was clearly a hit. Marquise Brown was clearly a hit. 
talk a lot of trash on him, but those th- those guys clearly hit. But he had three five-star wide receivers in the same class, and you can throw out excuses for you know those guys, but none of those guys have really hit yet. There's been a lot of bust with these big-time wide receivers that he's brought in. So if you want to. Th- if you want to say, I don't know if he can keep everyone happy, I agree. I also don't know if he can really develop at a high level when we're talking about 3-4 deep at being at wide receiver. He's like, he's kind of like a 1-2 wide receiver type of guy, and that's that's been it. Exactly. I mean, you think back, there was D.D. Westbrook, then there was C.D. Lamb, then there was Marvin Mims. Beyond that, you and, and there was Hollywood, and Hollywood had a couple of good years. But you're right. As far as NFL development for wide receivers beyond the top guy on the roster or the top couple of guys on the roster, it hasn't really been there. Mike Woods is kind of the notable exception, but even so, he was a transfer who spent one year at Oklahoma. Muleshoe didn't develop him. He was already developed when he got to And it's not like he had some crazy season where he had, did he even have over 1,000 yards? I don't think he had 1,000 yards receiving last year, right? Probably, no, no, nowhere close to that, Mike Woods did. So no, he had 400. I, I know he got drafted, but it's not like Mike Woods had some crazy years. So yeah, I, I think that if you want to at least doubt a little bit that he can develop a wide receiver core and not just one guy, I think that that's, that's totally fair. Mark Andrews is on the text line. Yeah, Mark Andrews had a great 2017, but for three years we were wondering when they were going to actually get him the ball. It finally happened in that 2017 season. And let's not forget, his best offenses were behind elite offensive lines, and they don't have an elite offensive line at USC. Far from it. That's going to be crucial. That's going to be something they have to cultivate. They're going to have to have strong offensive line play if they want to be elite. They can be good without a strong offensive line. I think that goes back to the original text. You can be good with mediocre offensive line play. You cannot be elite with mediocre offensive line play. It does not happen. Another texter on the Air Comfort Solutions text line says, don't forget that Kale Gundy brought in Marquise and D.D. Westbrook. That is true. Yeah. And Kale Gundy's not going anywhere. No, uh, no matter who the head coach is, it, it certainly helps uh, that Brent Vittables was the guy that came back and it was the head coach, but I, I'm kind of – I feel like no matter who the head coach is, uh, Kale Gundy is not going anywhere, and seeing the longevity that he has with the program, he's a guy that you don't want to go anywhere, Parker. By the way, uh, what we learned this spring from ESPN on OU, yeah, it was, it was pretty crap. They also have what we need to learn by week one. Uh, basically, OU needs to do better defensively. Can Venables and new D.C. Ted Roof shore up a, def- a defense that ranked 76 nationally last season and ranked 109th against the pass? So how are you going to learn that by week one? Uh, you can't learn that by week <laughs> I was one. Say, if you haven't learned it already, if you can't draw a conclusion already, how do you think you're going to be able to draw a conclusion before the season starts? Yeah, there's no way that we're going to know. Like, we have a feeling here. Sure. You know, based on, you know, the tackling that we saw in the spring game or some guys that have uh, emerged at various positions, you and I can venture a guess as to if they're going to be better defensively. But it's just that. It's a guess, man. Exactly. And really, we're not going to know. Forget week one. We're not going to know if they're better defensively until maybe October because they're not going to face an elite offense. I mean, they're not going to face one in September. It may take until October to where they face an offense to where you say, all right, that was a pretty good defensive performance. They are a much better defense than what they've been. So leave it to ESPN to keep it as surface level as possible. Not a whole lot of information in that piece. No. 
No. Very clear that they're doing the bare minimum. <laughs> well, what we what we need to learn before week one, um, it's another thing that we're not really going to know until the season starts, but uh, the trenches, man. O- offensive line, are they going to make drastic improvements from last year? That's that's my big thing that they, they need to get sorted out. Said that time and time again, but it still rings true for me. And here's what I will continue to say time and time again. We're not going to learn a whole lot about this program, about this team and how good they are on both sides of the ball and how good they can be on both sides of the ball until September 17th. That is the date that everyone should have circled. Yeah. That is the first game, first road game of the Brent Venables administration at Oklahoma, and they got to go to Lincoln, Nebraska. Not going to be an easy place to play, especially with the Huskers bringing in Casey Thompson, bringing in O'Shawn Mathis. Yes, it's still Nebraska, and yes, they still have their problems, but that's a lot more talented of a team in 2022 than the one they face in 2021, and that team in 2021 gave them problems. You're uh, all, yeah, they did give them problems last year. I think they'll be better this year, but you also have to factor in OU's going to see a different Nebraska team than probably anyone else in the Big Ten next year. Yes. Yeah, I, you're playing a 3-9 and nine team. It is a 3-9 and nine team that lost eight games by one score, nine games. Every every loss that they had last year was in single digits. It's like the first team ever in college football history to do that. Uh-huh. But you will see a different version of – you'll see the best version of Nebraska next year, bar none, no doubt about it. You know what was crazy was their point differential in Big Ten play was zero. Yeah. Because yeah. they beat Northwestern by 49 points, but they lost crazy, like the seven man. or eight other games by a combined 49 That's points. That's why I think uh, – what, what did I have it ranked as the second toughest game next year? Yeah. Did, did you and have it number would, one or number two? I think I had it number two yeah. behind Texas. Yeah, I had Texas one, and I had Nebraska two, and I think I had the Baylor home game at three. It's yep. going to be early in the season. We'll see where this team is at. Now it's going to be an incredibly difficult game. Keep the text coming on the Air Coverage Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Locked in. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, live on the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, brought to you by Elite Roofing System. They're servicing all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Let Craig Cox and the team at Elite Roofing put over three decades of experience to work for you. Free quotes, insured and affordable pricing. Give them a call, 405-361-3094, and Tulsa. Check them out, EliteRoofing.com, Elite Roofing Systems. Bring you this hour of Locked In. Uh, Stacy Gage, did he ever announce anything yesterday? I thought I saw a uh, postponement. Yes, tweet he, he tweeted had. postponed. So that's that. No announcement yet. Hmm. Hey, by the way, Xavier Worthy, um, was USC the team that tampered with him? Can we – that's what I would assume. I'm going to go ahead and say yes to that I, one. I, I feel like that's what everyone believes. I just wanted to, to make sure. But going after Xavier Worthy, too. And then Xavier Worthy, who was a freshman wide receiver at Texas last year. Pretty good player. What, he scored like three touchdowns against OU last year? Um, he tweeted out a picture with uh, he and his head coach, Steve Sarkeesian. So it sounds like Xavier Worthy is going to stay at Texas. Yeah, Xavier Worthy, that that game against OU, that might be the best individual performance against the Sooners since Tavon Austin in 2012. I was about to say, you better say Tavon Austin. Uh, he toasted everybody. Mo- you, you, it was usually Latrell McCutcheon, but anybody he lined up against, he toasted First them. play of the game, wide receiver bubble screen, basically, and 
I don't think anyone touched him. And that 75 was, yards for a touchdown. And that was how everybody figured out Delarian Turner yells, hamstring is not healed. Yeah, I don't think he played another down that no, game, right? He was in shorts about 10 minutes later. Mm. Uh, text line says, hopefully Nebraska is going to see a different Oklahoma team. Yeah, that's that's a good point and a fair point. And I think that that could be, I think that could be the case. You know, OU's going to be a very interesting team rolling into that game in September. It, it almost feels like there's one or two ways, one or two ways to look at it, Parker. One, it's, well, there's a new system on both sides of the ball. Are they a little bit shaky coming out of the gate? Or do they really get things this offseason? Do they come out rolling or do they come out hot? Because as fast as they're going to go offensively, you cannot replicate it, man. You cannot replicate that in practice. So whether they're shaky or they're come out hot, they're going to beat UTEP or Kent State. But Nebraska could really have their hands full if OU's got this offense down and they come out running, going up tempo. Nebraska's got a chance to have a pretty solid defense again next year. But they'll have a lot of issues if OU's running tempo against them. Nebraska will have a hard time stopping that. Yes, so. I, I would think so. And it's also going to be beneficial to have a guy in Anton Harrison that you would presume is going to draw the assignments of blocking O'Shawn Mathis. Well, maybe O'Shawn Mathis lines up against Wanya Morris on Dylan Gabriel's blind side. But either way, you got two really physically impressive tackles, two guys that have first-round NFL draft potential if everything breaks their way. Uh, that are going to be able to block a guy like Mathis, who is an outstanding rusher, granted, but you li- you like your odds with either of those guys lining up opposite him. Yeah, also helps that you have a quarterback that's played on the road before. You know, we're not talking about a true freshman making his first start ever. Now, I don't know if Dylan Gabriel has ever played in a hostile environment, like we'll, uh, what, what will be in Lincoln on September 17th. But he's played in road games before, and I think it's very fair to say, yeah, I, I've got some trust with him going into the first road game of the year. I, I think he's going to, to conduct himself just just fine. At least I think. I think so, too. Now, the question becomes, has he played in an environment that's going to rival the environment that Memorial Stadium will play Probably host not. to on the 17th? Probably not. Yeah, that – you say say what you will about Nebraska fans. Man, they show up to games. They do. And that is a daunting place to play. As somebody who has been there on a game day in Lincoln, regardless of how good or how terrible the Huskers are in any given year, on any given Saturday, those fans show up. And you know they're going to show up for Oklahoma. Yeah, they'll show up for OU. That'll be highly anticipated. It is a highly anticipated game in Lincoln. They'll pack it out. It'll be loud. I was about to make a joke, Parker, um, since they're known to have an older fan base, maybe the oldest fan base in college football, if Memorial Stadium ever gets loud because everyone's so old there. But regardless <laughs> of uh, the age that's there, uh, they will be loud in Lincoln, especially if the game is at night. Now, I'd, I didn't realize Nebraska had that connotation. Oh, the yeah. Old, the old oh, fan base Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Really? Especially around here that huh. – yeah, yeah. Nebraska fan base trends uh, trends pretty old. Okay, is that not reality? I, just, well, I mean, like, I'm not necessarily saying it's not reality or, or that that perception is inaccurate. But you know, from my from my perspective as somebody who grew up in Nebraska, like that fan base replenishes itself because everybody raised in that state is raised in the Husker tradition. So, I, I never, I guess, I never perceived it as older than average. 
I think someone uh, that I know that has gone up there before said it's uh, like going to a Luby's cafeteria, going to a <laughs> Nebraska game. So that's an awesome analogy. Great point, text line. Hey, DG played in front of seventy five thousand fans and played both ways. Boom. So see, he's seen an atmosphere like Memorial Stadium. He played for two different teams in front of seventy five thousand people. Great point, text line. Way to bring it. He'll be just fine at Nebraska. You Not think, even worried. You think either Chavis or DeMarco tried to pay him to throw the game? Um, I could see Chavis being so <laughs> so competitive, but that didn't really work out. He turned it over the other way. Uh, what was that on the white team? That's, the white team is the team that committed all the turnovers nah, in the spring right. game. They had like three. Yeah, I guess it was all on one side, wasn't it? That game, in, in hindsight, was a lot closer than I thought it was. Going yeah, to be. yeah. Well, I, without the turnovers, the white team might win by a, a couple scores. Man, I think they outgained them uh, pretty easily. Now, I um, that that week three game is huge. If if they can just get through that early stretch, man, if you can get out of Lincoln with the win, and then go win at TCU, beat Kansas State at home, and fend off a Texas game that you know they're going to bring. Texas may not be worth a flip again this year, but they're going to be a good team in Dallas. If you can get through that stretch, I think this team really gets on a roll and starts rolling into November uh, looked at as one of the main college football playoff contenders. But that four-game stretch is huge. Yeah, it's not a sexy take, but I think that Texas game is going to be the toughest. And that's not to say that Texas is going to be the toughest opponent that they play all year, but all things considered, that game is never easy. For Oklahoma. Uh, one more text from the Air Comfort Solutions text line here. Being a lifelong OU fan and having been in both OU and Nebraska's stadiums, Nebraska's is a lot louder. I haven't been to Memorial Stadium recently enough to make that judgment, but I think they are pretty comparable in terms of their overall environment on a game day. There will be an old man in Nebraska Stadium yelling at players to get off his yard. <laughs> That might be happening. Is it going to be Tom Osborne? That uh, that might be happening in Lincoln. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you're going to uh, Lincoln for the oh, game I, next I, year. I will be there. That is a that I is a can't there. miss game, and you know when you have that big road non conference game, we've seen it in Columbus and Knoxville. OU fans are going to show up and show out, but this is a and I know a lot of fans drove to to Knoxville, but this is a very drivable distance to Lincoln, and the excitement around this program is high. I um wow, there's going to be a ton of OU fans that make the trip to Lincoln. Yes, you know, as, just, as, as there should be. Just as I don't think that we were really prepared for the number of fans that were going to show up for the spring game, I wonder if we're seriously underestimating. Like we we know it's going to be high, but I wonder if we're even underestimating how many OU fans are going to show up for Lincoln for that week three game. It could be nuts, dude. It, like Some people may just be going up there without the intention of even going to the game. I feel like there's going to be OU fans everywhere. Hey, give me all the hostility, man. Just I'm down for it. This is this is the Parker Bowl right here. Just yeah, just don't be an 11 a.m. kick. Can we all agree on that? We deserve better. Oh, give us a night game. We deserve give better us a night game. than an 11 a.m. kick in Lincoln. Come on, give us the full experience here. 2.30. I'll take 2.30 right now. Give me 2.30. I'll... One o'clock, I don't care. Just not 11 a.m. I know there's not even like a one o'clock start time for college football unless you're playing on like ESPN3 or something. I don't, just not 11 a.m. That's all I ask. I don't ask a whole lot here, but please, someone put that at later than noon for a start time. That game deserves to be prime time. 
I hope that's what happens. Yeah, me and you both, man. All right, Air Coverage Solutions text line 405-651-3439. Keep it rolling there. Bob Stoops coming up next hour at 320. Keep it locked on the ref. We are the Homeless Sooner fans. Final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref, we are the Homo Sooner fans. Text line has some thoughts. Uh, first, this made me laugh. Stop talking up the Nebraska game. I want to go, and if everyone goes, I won't be able to get a ticket. Seven laughing emojis. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was thinking during the break as, as someone said, you know, driving up from Link or driving up to Lincoln from Kansas City, when will be the best time to buy tickets? Whenever you can get them at a reasonable price. I don't know if that's going to be anytime soon. You might have to wait until the week of the game. But I think that this... Parker, this is going to be a game where you're just going to have to expect to pay a lot of money for tickets. This is... Um, Nebraska fans, again, they, they sell the place out. They've got the consecutive sellout streak in college football. They're not going to want to give up their tickets for this one. And the demand from OU fans are going to be high. So you're going to... I mean, it might cost north of uh, 200 bucks for a ticket for this one yeah that's not out of the realm of possibility and it is going to be a raucous atmosphere one way or another regardless of how divided the stands are between the husker faithful and the sooner faithful it is going to be packed out man i'm i am so looking forward to that game it's gonna be awesome maybe more so than any other game i've ever covered you guys are wrong when you're on the road you want to have an 11 a.m kick to help take the crowd out of it Normally, yes, but I'll present you the Kansas game last year. The Kansas game was 11 a.m. The crowd was completely out of it. Well, until they just let everyone uh, roll in there for free. OU has actually played their best on the road in past years when it's been a night game, when it's been a big-time atmosphere against a big-time opponent. That is when OU's played their best, when the... When the uh, the atmosphere is at its biggest, that's when OU showed up and played their best ball. Where we've really had to worry about OU is going on the road uh, at 11 a.m. to a sleepy environment. So I would say for a lot of teams, that is true. But come on, we want to see the best of what Nebraska has to offer. And this is OU. They're going to be a favorite in the game. We shouldn't totally be afraid of this football game if it's at 7 p.m. versus 11 a.m. OU will be fine. Listen, any OU fans going up for that game... We'll rendezvous. Hit me up. Let me know. Being in Nebraska, always a good time. I understand the connotation surrounding that state is not sterling. But, hey, you know what? It's very similar to Oklahoma in a lot of ways. We need to try yeah. to do our show up there on Friday. Is what oh, we need to I'd do. be so down for that because I'm, I'm going to have to go up early yeah. either way. So Yeah, we need to do a Friday show there, pre- and post-game show somewhere because uh, there's going to be OU fans everywhere in Lincoln, Nebraska. Everywhere. Hey, big news of the day in case you missed it. Jordan Addison, the wide receiver from Pitts, who won the Bolitnikoff last year, had uh, just under 1,600 receiving yards and 17 touchdowns. He is officially in the portal, and it is widely believed that he's going to end up at USC. Now, he's saying that he has not decided yet on where he is going to end up. <laughs> I call that crap. Uh, you don't just enter into the portal as a Bolitnikoff winner this time of the year and not know where you're going. Yeah, especially when all the reports for the last three days surrounding Jordan Addison's status has been, ooh, USC's going to be the destination here. USC's got $3 million and a house on the table for Jordan Addison. USC continues to be the front runner to land Jordan Addison's services if he ends up in the portal. Not to mention the fact 
that there was a photo of Jordan Addison posted to Twitter at the Las Vegas airport. And Lord knows he's not going to UNLV. Um, I don't think he's going to play for the running Rebs either, though. Vegas would be low-key fun uh, to go go to college, not, not, not <laughs> I, play college. I football. love this text. This is elite humor. One listener says, Addison is a three-star. I don't want it. Yes! Yes! Someone gets the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. That is that is fantastic. Also, another one of our listeners pointed out the cheapest ticket on StubHub right now is already two hundred dollars for that. OU I might game. go ahead and lock that in right now. Yeah. Well, without the you haven't clicked on the fees part of it yet. Uh, the ticket says two hundred dollars, but they're going to be eight hundred dollars a piece for how much StubHub charges for fees. That's how they like to roll. Like, oh, these tickets aren't bad. Whoa, here's the fees that just got added in. I'm paying $800 for tickets that just said they were $200 at the previous So screen? it's like booking an Airbnb is what you're Dude, telling me. Dude, it's ridiculous. Oh, my God, <gasps> Bro, it's ridiculous. I can't remember. It was like 20, probably 2019 where the fees on Airbnbs just became so exorbitant that it was like, okay, this was a cool concept, and it was fun, and it was resourceful. But now... I might as well just stay in a hotel. Cleaning fee, processing fee, everything else. A fee for everything to the point where you're doubling whatever the sticker price is per night. Hey, is there even uh, any scuttlebutt at all to another team that's going to be involved with Jordan Addison outside USC? Texas. I mean, that's pretty much it. That's only because of the Brennan Marion connection. And maybe Texas makes a run. Maybe Texas does what they did with Tashard Choice and swipes Jordan Addison out from under USC's nose. That could happen, but overwhelming money is still on USC. Yeah. Pun fully intended. I don't know if we'll find out by the end of the day. Probably not, but I'm sure that's going to happen pretty soon. All right, that'll do it for Parker. The rush is coming up next. You know what to do. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless fans.